Welcome to the Library Love Fest podcast, brought to you by HarperCollins Publishers. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Check it out. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Brought to you by Library Love It's Lainey from the Library Love Fest marketing team, and today we are joined by Editorial Director of Voyager US, David Pomerico. Welcome, David. Hi, how's it going? Good. We're really happy to have you. Um, so we've do- been doing a, s- a few of these on the podcast where we're giving an imprint overview because some people are finding it a little confusing or just to learn more about them. And so we've done um, HarperCollins 360, and now we're going to do Voyager. So Great. You're the person to ask, so we had to have you on, and can you give us an overview of Voyager? Sure. Uh, Harbor Voyager is the science fiction, fantasy, and horror imprint on the adult side uh, of HarperCollins. Uh, We focus mainly on speculative fiction that is usually pushing the suspension of disbelief a little bit further. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of really good mainstream stuff uh, like Neil Gaiman or Neil Stevenson or Joe Hill uh, that is slightly more commercial, slightly has broader audiences. We tend to want to find those audiences, but uh, hit a lot more of the niche subgenres. So whether that's space opera, epic fantasy, you know, um, things that are a little bit more high magic or high tech. Okay, awesome. Um, I know we have really dedicated fans in the library of um, sci-fi and et cetera, but um, maybe you could tell them a few upcoming things that they have to look forward to. We tried to do probably like late winter, early spring, right? So, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so we have a, a nice range of different types of books, and that's why um, it's one of the nice things about Harper Voyager is that we really try and reach every kind of reader um, basically, I'm pretty sure that if you like something on TV or like a film or something, I can find you a sci-fi or fantasy <laughs> book. Um, so I think to start off, we have two um, kind of bigger, more magical, realistic books. Okay. Uh, the first is Daughter from the Dark mm-hmm. by uh, Marina and Sergei Doyachenko, uh, and it's translated from Russian by uh, Julia Maitov-Hersey. Um, you might know those names from Vita Nostra, which is, you know, one of those just like classic um, stories of a magical school. Uh, this um, is a little bit funnier. Uh, it's okay. about a radio DJ who stumbles across a young girl in the street, brings her home after she's been attacked by a dog, um, and can't get rid of her. Uh, and then there's like confusion about who she is in relation to him. Like, he's clearly been chosen a little (laughs) bit. Um, She also has this stuffed bear, which may or may not transform into a real bear and tear (laughs) up her enemies. Um, So it's dark, um, like Vita Nostra. It definitely has a Russian sensibility, which is what we really like. We're trying to do more stuff in translation because there's so much good sci-fi and fantasy that is beyond the Western world. but it, it, it's a completely standalone story. So we're really excited to see how people react to that, considering how well people have 
responded to Vita Nostra. Yeah, I loved Vita Nostra. It was was also, like, such a mind bend because you just had to think so much, but, like, in a lovely way. Right. Um, This does similar things. Instead of talking about, like, language and grammar, it's really talking about um, music and actually relationships, so, like, kind of nature of love and and stuff like that. So I feel like the Doyachenkos really like to, like, hone in on, like, kind of simple themes tell it from their Russian perspective, um, but I think they end up being universal stories. Right. And you were saying it has like a Russian feel. Like what what does that mean? I don't know. Maybe it just as a, as a kid of the <laughs> 80s, you know, like I have this like mindset of like what the, of what Russia looks like. So things are just, just the food they eat, like, you know, like the, the clothing they wear, it's always kind of cold and gray and snowy and, 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 and all that. Um, so it, it's clearly a, you know, a first world country, um, but it's also clearly got elements of the, the Russian mafia and, you know, like an underworld there. And so um, there's definitely a, a police state that they're dealing with. Um, so I, I think there are just elements that um, feel Russian. Um, so... Kind of in a similar vein where it's like it's the real world but with like a magical bent is uh, The Sisters Grimm by uh, Mena von Prague. Uh, this comes out um, March 31st uh, in hardcover. And Mena von Prague has written a number of kind of almost magical romances. Like they're very charming um, stories that have magical angles set in Cambridge, which is where she's from. Uh, the UK, uh, not where Harvard is. <laughs> and um, what's really cool about this is she's added a layer of darkness, an edge to it. Um, and this is about four young women who uh, grow up um, separate, but every night would find themselves in this dreamscape um, where they kind of grow up as sisters uh, until at age of 13, they, like, their memories are basically wiped. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially, on their 18th birthday, they're going to have to go back to that dreamscape and fight for their lives. Um, with the twist being that if they win, they then have to decide, will they um, fight in their father's army, who's basically the devil, or will they like sacrifice themselves to maintain a balance of good. Um, there's definitely romantic angles for all for all four women. Um, and I don't know, it, it, it's just a really interesting kind of twisty, turny story um, that has four very identifiable yet very different characters that you're, you're connecting with. And one of the um, young men is also a POV uh, who's basically hunting down one of the women. Um, it's also kind of cool at the end there are four illustrations of the women which is like something that we haven't really done before so I think it's just like a a really cool package in addition to being a fun story yeah is it it has romance in it so you could get some crossover like maybe if people don't read sci-fi all the time or yeah like I mean I you can't call a capital R romance it doesn't right necessarily have a happily ever after I'm not giving away the ending but you know um there's no marriage and picket fence at the end. Um, but there are definitely, um, there's definitely 
romance in it. Okay. Um, so we try and be try and be very careful about like differentiating between those two things. Um, so for example, we have a book, uh, Chaos Reigning, um, and that's reigning as in a king and not like clouds, <laughs> uh, which is by Jesse Mahalik. And this is capital R romance oh. sci-fi. Yeah. Um, so this is the third book in the Consortium Rebellion series. It comes out May 19th. Um, and what makes these actual romance novels is that each book follows one of the uh, von Hassenberg sisters. Uh, they're essentially the space princess. Like, uh, so right away you've got this like really fun Princess Leia, you know, she can handle things herself. Uh, she doesn't need a man. But she kind of wants a man, you know? <laughs> and um, and so in each book, one of the sisters is on an adventure, is wrapped up in political intrigue, is part of a war. Um, and, like, so you get a lot of the action-adventure of a good space opera, but you also get the... Um, all the elements of a romance novel. So all the kind of beats that you're expecting. Um, so for me, I feel like as more of a sci-fi fan, I love it because I love the adventure. Right. But I'm also a sucker for a good romance, and so it satisfies that itch as well. Um, and one of the nice things is that it is edited by one of our Avon editors. Oh. So obviously she knows romance better than anyone, and so she's able to bring that expertise to her kind of nerdy love right. <laughs> of sci-fi. Yeah, that sounds like the perfect marriage of, uh, no pun intended, yeah. marriage <laughs> of both worlds. Um, kind of backtracking date-wise a little bit, um, a book we're really, really excited about is the start of a new series. Um, it's the Neo-G series, which actually stands for Near Earth, Orbital Guard. Uh, so it's military sci-fi, <laughs> if you couldn't get that from our acronym. Um, and uh, it's written by KB Wagers, who um, you might know from a couple of uh, series she's done with Orbit Books. Um, so there's uh, Behind the Throne is probably her most famous. They're really well known for their um, strong female characters. These are Kind of space princesses, but it's not romance. They're um, basically if Han Solo was, <laughs> you know, okay. uh, was a woman. Um, this book is called A Pale Light in the Black. Uh, and one of the cool things that KB has done is looked at a branch of the military that's never really been portrayed in military sci-fi, the Coast Guard. Um, so... This is not as much about, um, you know, space marines, boots on the ground, big aerial, you know, space battles between, like, the Navy and, you know, aliens and whatnot. This is about what would a realistic, um, and I hate to use the term space force because of the connotations, but what would that look like, you know, it, as our colonization efforts start to happen, as, you know, Mars and the moon start to have much more traffic and much more travel. Like, we're going to need a group dedicated to search and rescue. Right. Um, one of the great things that they bring to it is a, a very diverse uh, cast. Um, so it's as much about the crew as it is about the adventure. Um, probably 
one of the main characters is asexual, um, which was great because I got to learn a lot about asexuality and ace characters. KB, you keep hearing me say they, they are queer themselves um, and identify as a they. The story is just really fun. And the cool twist is there's the interbranch rivalry. Um, so the military is always kind of butting heads. And so there's something called the boarding games. Um, so you kind of have the scrappy upstart Coast Guard, the Neo G, up against, you know, the more resource-filled Marines and Navy. Um, so you get that kind of competitive element, which I think readers tend to love, whether it's Quidditch, whether it's the Hunger Games, what whatever it is. Um, but you also get, like, the main story of this smuggling operation that they're trying to upend. A author that I know is a library favorite uh, is Sarah Beth Durst. Yes. Um, she's been to several conferences for us. Right. Um, first of all, like, she's a favorite because she's a lovely person, and, like, she, you can't help but smile when she's in the room, which is so weird because she loves murderous, <laughs> like, monsters, like, in a way that, like, it warms my heart. Um <laughs> But she's written the Renthea series for her last four books on the adult side, um, and she has a brand new standalone fantasy called Race the Sands. Uh, that's out uh, April 21st, and this is basically a world where when you die, you're resurrected, um, reincarnated, I'm sorry, um, based off of your morality. Um, and so you could be a lion, you could be a bug. Um, but if you're the worst of the worst, you come back as a keyhawk, as a monster. And there's no redemption from that. Like, you're eternal, you're always going to be a keyhawk. Um, unless you can win the race. Um, and so a group of, uh, very brave people will train and race these monsters against each other, they get a massive prize, and the Keyhawk gets sacrificed but brought back um, to start the cycle over again, not as a monster. Uh, in this case, you have a kind of disgraced trainer. You have a young girl who has run away from a bad, abusive marriage. Uh, you have a missing prince uh, and the brother who has taken over and who really can't take control until... The brother's soul is found. Um, you might guess where that's going. Um, but it's really fun to see like the characters develop, to see the world that she, uh, that Sarah Beth has uh, created. Um, so it's just, uh, if you liked the Queen Zarenthia books, you're going to like this. But like I said, I think like your readers will be able to say, cool, what's next? I don't, they don't have to feel like, when is the next book coming out? And then I did want to mention, finally, uh, another book we have coming out in March. It's on March 17th, and it's called Crush the King. This is Jennifer Eastep's third book in the Crown of Shards trilogy, so it's wrapping up the trilogy. And it's, it's a badass gladiator queen who is just kicking butt all over the place. Uh, Jennifer Eastep is a phenomenal urban fantasy writer, um, and has had a long best-selling career doing that. And she came to us and really, really wanted to do a 
more epic fantasy. Um, she brought her signature kind of um, powerful character um, to the fore, but with her own world built in her mind. Um, these books uh, are getting great reviews. Readers really seem to be connecting with uh, the first two books. So I think it's something that um, people are really excited about to see how the, the trilogy wraps up. That's awesome. And then you have two others that you can go back to and then before exactly. this one comes out. Yeah, that's awesome. Could Would you mind going through and saying what you talked about and the dates one more time? Just Sure. So uh, I started off by talking uh, Daughter from the Dark. Uh, by Marina and Sergei uh, Doyachenko and translated from Russian by Julia Maitov Hersey. That is out February 11th, 2020. Then you have The Sisters Grimm. This is by Mena von Prague uh, and it is out March 31st, 2020. Um, you have Chaos Reigning by Jesse Mahalik. Uh, that's the third book in the Consortium Rebellion series, and that is out May 19th, 2020. You have A Pale Light in the Black, which is the first book in the Neo G series. That's by KB Wagers, and uh, that is out March 3rd, 2020. Uh, Race the Sands by Sarah Beth Durst, uh, standalone epic fantasy. It's out April 21st, 2020. And finally, Crush the King by Jennifer E. Stepp, uh, the, the third book in the Crown of Shards trilogy, and that is March 17th, 2020. Awesome. Um, that's a really great list. I know people are going to be really excited. We, Like I said, a lot of fans of a lot of those people. So um, so thank you for that. Yeah. I wanted to ask a couple questions, and I think this sure. is probably in the, the library world if you're a fan of these books. Um, I know you mentioned diversity in a few um but what are what what are the pushes towards i know like personally i have friends that want like own voices in it and a lot more diversity like what are you seeing and how are we moving towards that so our list is you know we get our submissions from agents um so our my first job is to go to these agents and say this is what i'm looking for um if you look at the Harper Voyager list over the last five years, um, you'll have seen a growing list of diverse authors, representative authors, um, talking about race, people of color, LGBTQ issues. Um, we are looking always more for like people with disabilities, like telling their stories. Um, so in that regard, I, I think we've, done a, a fairly good job and, and we're trying to do even better so what i mean by that is you'll see we have a lot more um science fiction by women um that's a genre that's often been dominated by men um and in a world where we're constantly talking about we need to get more girls into stem they're they're out there and being able to see them tell their stories people like Becky Chambers, yes. uh, people like Marina Lostetter, uh, people like Nikki Drayden, uh, who is also an African-American woman. Um, and, and that's the other thing, too. A lot of these authors um, have kind of intersectionality with, you know, lots of different uh, topics. So um, what we're ultimately looking for are authors who are writing with empathy. 
Um, so for example, um, we have a series um, with uh, Claire O'Dell. Uh, the first book is A Study in Honor. The second book is Hound of Justice. This is near future, dystopian, black, lesbian, Sherlock Holmes and Watson. <laughs> um, and the interesting thing is that Claire O'Dell is a white woman author, um, but her approach and her, um, I think, empathy for the characters shines through in a way that um, we, we're not trying to hide anything. Like, uh, that, I think, is very important. Um, but we felt it was important because there aren't that many black women on sci-fi covers. And being able to have those types of stories out there is, I think, very important, not just for you know, readers to say, oh, I can identify here, but also writers to be like, oh, I can write that story. Um, R.F. Kuang, uh, who wrote The Poppy War and The Dragon Republic, is obviously Chinese-American um, and is heavily influenced by her Chinese heritage and has crafted these amazing, award-winning um, fantasy worlds based around that. Ozma um, Zahanat Khan uh, and the Khorasan Archives. Uh, the third book, The Blue Eye, just came out, uh, is talking about patriarchy and a Taliban-esque enemy and this powerful group of women who are fighting against it. She uh, has... Afghani and Iranian roots. Um, uh, she's also Canadian. And so, like, we're getting a lot of perspectives there. Rati Marotra uh, with a South Asian inspired um, fantasy, starting with Marx Woman. Um, lots of people playing in the LGBTQ. Um, we talked about A Pale Light in the Black and KB Wagers. Becky Chambers is. Um, a very strong voice in the LGBTQ community, Nikki Drayden as well. So lots of different um, types of books, and, and we're, we're constantly looking to expand, um, A, how we're finding that, and it's one of the reasons why translation is right. such a, an important part of that because it's, it's a great way to ensure own voices um, but I think what it comes down to, and this is probably different from the YA side, is uh, we can have a little bit more nuance in this discussion. Um, like, and mostly just because I, I feel like the, the online community is a little bit right. more forgiving um, and a little bit more um, open to the idea of, you know, somebody writing the quote-unquote other um, but I, I think it still comes down to, like, it can't be appropriation. It has to be telling that story because that's the story that has to be told. Um, and it has to come from a place of this person actually knows what they're talking about, um, has done the research, has, you know, potentially gotten sensitivity reads or, you know, ultimately is telling the story from... A, a viewpoint and perspective that makes sense. Um, so that mm-hmm. that's what we're trying to do on a regular basis. That's awesome. Yeah, you have the receipts. You're yeah. like, this is, <laughs> this is someone we're working on. Yeah. I, that's so interesting. And I think 
it's great because everyone's talking about it. So to be able to further the conversation is wonderful. Do you have like a like a dream theme or topic that you would love to publish? I asked someone, I asked, so we had a romance one as well, and I asked that, and the answers were surprising to me of like what they want to see the genre go to or something they haven't been, haven't explored. So like, it's funny, we've talked a little bit about romance and sci-fi. I, I think what I would really love is a really smart good rom-com in like sci-fi or fantasy it's a hot button word these days we a lot of rom-coms a lot of rom-coms right which we love um but but i don't know i just feel like there's like i happen to love them as well um i just read um the right swipe by alicia rye right um and i was like this is so good you know and like i don't know how that would work you know what could make it like sci-fi-y, um, but I feel like that's something, um, I'm also, I will say, and like, this is a tough, like, I'm a sucker for books that are essentially world building more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Becky Chambers does this probably as well as anybody where, like, plot is a secondary to just like the characters interacting and, you know, like, the society that's being created. Um, for me, growing up, like, Prelude to Foundation by Asimov, like, is one of my favorite novels. Just because it's all about the creation of a story that's going to happen later. But it's really just talking about ideas. Uh, The Goblin Emperor by, um, I think, Catherine Addison was a great example of this. Um, So, like, something where, like, you're... Because we usually tell authors... World building is not story. <laughs> like right. detail is not story. Get rid of the info dumps. But if you can do it in a way that is charming and interesting and can keep somebody's attention for eighty to one hundred thousand words, right. like that to me is kind of like one of my unicorns. Okay. Yeah. Well, get writing, everybody. And it could be about <laughs> unicorns. Too, oh, so. <laughs> that would be wonderful. Um, well, this is amazing. Thank you for sitting down with us. I yeah. know everyone's going to be excited to hear what's coming up from Voyager. Great. Thank you. Thank you.